Hi, I'm Edward Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. Do you ever feel intimidated by the saints? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I hear stories about the extraordinary things the saints do, I could feel a little overwhelmed. I hear about how they don't sleep at night, they spend all night in prayer, or they fast for a whole week, or they levitate when they pray, or they bilocate, they're in two places at the same time. And when I hear these amazing, miraculous stories, I just can't relate, because I need sleep. And I, I've never fasted for a whole week, and I've, uh, I, I certainly don't levitate when I pray, and I, I don't bilocate. I have a hard enough time being at the one place I'm supposed to be at the right time, and there are two places at the same time. I just can't relate. In fact, when I look at my life, I, I have a lot of struggles. I know I struggle with sin. I have many weaknesses. I, I don't trust God as much as I should. I want to control things too much, and I struggle with anxiety sometimes. I mean, I've got all these weaknesses and sins. And I think sometimes as Catholics, we think the saints are beyond us. And I want, this is what I want to talk about today. Is that I think sometimes we think the saints, like they're like these people that have magical spiritual superhero powers, you know, like superhero powers. They've got that amazing superhero power of staying up all night in prayer. Well, I don't have that superhero power, so I can't relate to them. (laughs) You know, they do amazing things, like they levitate. And well, again, I don't have that superhero power, so I can't relate. You know, we as Catholics, I think sometimes we put the saints on such a high pedestal that we forget they were human, that they were one of us. Now, don't get me wrong. I want to be really clear. We should put the saints on a high pedestal. We should honor them and venerate them. And there's so much we can learn from their writings and their example and be inspired by them. But we should never forget that they were human. They were one of us. They had many problems. They made mistakes. They got into arguments with other people. They felt rejected and felt sad sometimes. They were one of us. This is what I, I think about when I, I bring pilgrims into to St. Peter's Square. I love taking pilgrims to Rome. And the first place we go is, is we go into St. Peter's and we're in that big square, that big piazza. And if, and if you ever go into that square and you just look up, you realize you're not alone. You, you're greeted by 140 massive statues of saints who've gone before us above that big colonnade in St. Colonnade in, in Peter's Square. We got 140 statues. These are men and women who struggled in prayer. They had many disputes. They made mistakes. They were people like us with complicated problems and weaknesses. But each time they fell, each time they made a mistake, each time they fell into weakness, they got up again. And they entrusted themselves to God's mercy, and they were changed. To me, that's really encouraging to know that St. Therese had struggles. St. Teresa of Avila struggled with prayer. That St. Therese of Lisieux struggled with her emotions. St. Augustine struggled with chastity. I mean, to me, these things are encouraging, not to bring the saints down to our level, but to know that God met them in their weakness and transformed them. And what God did in the countless lives of the saints, he wants to do in ordinary people like you and me. He really does want to change us. He wants to heal us like he did all those saints. And guess what, my friends? He can do this in you. He can do this in you, and he does it through his church. And that's what we're going to talk about 
in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sri, and I want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And yes, I said Merry Christmas. That was very intentional, because as Catholics, it's still Christmas. Christmas does not end at midnight on the, the December 25th, moving into the 26th. Nope, it does not end there. It goes on, and we have this whole Christmas season, and as Catholics, we should be listening to Christmas music all through these days of Christmas, and we should greet each other saying, Merry Christmas! And that's what I do here today. Merry Christmas to you, and Happy New Year. I want to welcome any new listeners checking out the show here. Uh, thank you for, for joining us here today. It's been a big week in the Sri household. Wow. Lots of things happening. Not only did I have everybody back home, uh, and we had a wonderful Christmas together, but we had the first wedding in the three family. The first wedding. My daughter, Madeline, just got married this past Friday on the Feast of the Holy Family. What a wonderful day to have a wedding. So that was very moving to be the father of the bride, to see my beautiful daughter walk her down the aisle. And she's married to a great Catholic man, Caden. Please pray for them as they're going to be beginning a ministry. They're going to be serving in the Archdiocese of Oklahoma City, uh, running uh, a a Catholic youth camp there and working in youth ministry in the area. So you could pray for them and their marriage uh, at the beginning of their married life here. I would greatly appreciate that. Wonderful, wonderful week we had uh, with the wedding. And now this week, we are in St. Louis, the three family here in St. Louis for the Big Focus Seek Conference. So ask your prayers for that as well, as we have over 10,000 people gathered here. Amazing. We have college students, young adults, many parish leaders and diocesan Catholic leaders, many priests, all coming to learn about evangelization, to encounter Jesus more. But I want to ask your prayers for especially those college students. Many of them come from secular campuses where there's so much happening on their college campus life that undermines following Jesus undermines our, our Catholic faith. They need a lot of prayers. Pray for them that they may have a profound encounter with the Lord this week at the Sikh conference in St. Louis, especially at adoration. You know, we have a night where they all come together to to worship Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, and many people may go back to confession. We usually have lines of thousands of college students, many of whom are going back to confession for the first time since their childhood. So pray for them to have a profound encounter with the Lord. Pray for them as they return back to their college campuses. So today, I actually want to share with you something that I am sharing here at the SEEK conference uh, at one of the presentations I'm going to be giving. And it, it is all about this deep inner transformation, the healing God wants to do in our souls. And I think this is important to highlight because when Christians think about the gospel message, when they think about what is the gospel, they tend to leave this part out. Even many Catholics leave this out, but this is the heart of the gospel. You know, when people talk, think about, okay, what's the good news of salvation, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of God's love, well, what is that? And they would say things like, okay, well, God made us, he made us for love, he made us for relationship, but we turned away from him in sin, and so we were separated from God, we had a broken relationship with him, but God didn't reject us. He doesn't abandon us. He still loves us. He's faithful. He even sent his own son to take on our humanity and, and Jesus Christ. And Jesus offers up his life on the cross and dies for us. He dies for the sake of our salvation. Now, it's right here that many Christians stop. When they present the gospel, they stop right here. Okay, Jesus died for us on the cross. He died for our salvation. And, and, and that's it. And we celebrate that. Now, please don't get me wrong. That is the high point of salvation history, Jesus' death and resurrection. This is the center of the universe right there, no doubt. But the story doesn't end there. 
if the story ended there, that would not be a Catholic presentation of the gospel. Because what we emphasize and what the early Christians emphasized is not just that Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, but that what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago, he wants to apply to our lives today. He wants to heal us. He wants to change us. He wants to transform us. He wants to make ordinary people like you and me into saints. Is that really possible? Does that really happen? This is the heart of the gospel, my friends, is that Jesus doesn't just want to come and die for us and forgive us of our sins. That's not all that he does. He doesn't just come to forgive us. Maybe another way I like to say it is this. Jesus doesn't just pardon us like a judge. He heals us like a physician. He doesn't just pardon us like a judge. He heals us like a physician. What deep healing do you need in your life? Are there certain things, roots of sins that you have, weaknesses, wounds from your past that keep you from experiencing God's love, that keep you from loving the way Jesus loves? Do you have those things in your life that you want healing for? Well, Jesus is the divine physician. He doesn't just want to forgive you each time you, oh, you made that mistake. Oh, you brought a confession. You brought it to confession. You said, sorry. Okay, I forgive you. No, he doesn't, he, he will forgive you every time you go to confession and you got to go to confession, bring your sins to confession. But he wants to do more than that. He doesn't just want to forgive you. He doesn't just want to pardon you. He wants to heal you. He wants to change you. And so when you look at, at, at Jesus and you see his amazing love, you see his love on the cross on Good Friday, especially. That's the fullest revelation of God's love, but it's also the fullest revelation of what we're called to. We're called to love like Jesus. You see, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, he wants to reproduce in our lives today. When you look at the cross, you just see amazing love, don't you? You see faithfulness, courage, sacrifice. We see such patience, such forgiveness. We see him thinking of other people and not himself in the midst of his own suffering. He's thinking about the people that are persecuting him. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He's thinking about the good thief. He's thinking about his mom. Who's going to take care of my mom? John, beloved disciple, take care of my mom. You know, so he's thinking of others. I mean, do you think of others when you're suffering like Jesus thinks of others? Are you patient like he's patient? Do you sacrifice like he sacrifices for others? Are you courageous and willing to do hard things for other people like Jesus was? Are you like me? Do you, do you fall short in those areas? I know I fall short in so many ways. Do you trust your life to the Father's hands like Jesus does? Jesus says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Many times I just want to keep things in my life in my own hands. I want to control things myself. I want to just cling to what I want for my life instead of entrusting my life to the Father's plan and really seeking His will. I don't trust God as much as, as I should. I don't love like Jesus loves. I want to be healed. I want transformation. You see, when we look at a cross, Christ doesn't want us just to look at the cross and thank him. We should thank him. Don't get me wrong. I want to be clear. We absolutely should fall on our knees. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. But he wants more than our gratitude. He wants more than our applause. He wants our hearts. You see, I really want to make sure you get this point. I really want to make sure you get this. So I'm going to, I'm going to say it this way. Jesus didn't die. So we don't have to, in a sense. And what do I mean by that? I think some people think, oh, he died so that we don't have to suffer. We don't have to make sacrifices. You know, no, 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 no. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. 
Jesus didn't die 2,000 years ago on the cross so that we don't have to die to ourselves. No, no. He died and rose again so he could fill us with his life, fill us with his spirit so that our hearts could be changed, that we can be transformed, that we may live his sacrificial love that he did on Good Friday. Do you have areas in your life where you can grow in sacrificial love with, with your friend, with your roommate? Uh, do you have areas of your life where you can grow with sacrificial love just in your friendship with Jesus and growing in holiness and in prayer? Do you have areas of your life where you can grow in sacrificial love with your spouse, with your children? <laughs> if you have these areas, Jesus wants to heal those. He doesn't just want to forgive you when you fall short. He, he will forgive you every time, but he wants to do more than that. He wants. He doesn't want to just pardon you like a judge. He wants to heal you like a physician, and he's the divine physician, and he wants to get to the root of our sins. I think about, I'll just mention one relationship in my life. You know, my wonderful wife, Beth, we've been married 23 years. And I really love my wife. And I'm, I'm sure there's many noble, sincere qualities about my love for her. But I also know I fall short. I don't love her the way Jesus loves. I don't love her the way she deserves to be loved. My love falls short. I can be impatient. I don't think things through. I can be thinking too much of myself. I could be selfish. I can have a strong reaction. I can have a tone of voice. You know, So I have all these things and I, I have to say sorry to her over and over and over again. For 23 years, I keep apologizing for so many things. And I think if she were on the show, she'd probably say I'm getting better in some areas and maybe we're discovering new weaknesses at the same time as well. And you know, so it's a, a wonderful thing in marriage when you can go to your spouse and say, I'm sorry. And every time she says, I forgive you. My wife has forgiven me thousands of times. And I'm so thankful for her forgiveness. But wouldn't it be amazing if I wasn't just forgiven, but I was healed? I was actually healed of these weaknesses that I have that let her down, that hurt her, that make me not the husband I should be for her. Wouldn't it be amazing if she didn't just forgive me, but I was actually healed of these I mean, imagine if I had a good Catholic doctor friend here in town and I was sharing with him about my struggles and these weaknesses. And he said to me, oh, hey, Edward, did you know there's this new medicine? Actually, if you, if you take this, this medicine once a week for many years, you'll be healed of these weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen overnight. You got to take this for, for many, many years, but you'll eventually notice some change. You'll, you'll notice yourself being more patient with your spouse and more thoughtful, and you will be less selfish, uh, and you'll be kinder, and you'll be more generous, and you'll be more prompt to serve and, uh, and sacrifice. And yeah, it's amazing. This pill, like it, it, if you just take it once a, once a week for many, many years, uh, you'll start to notice a gradual change. Now, it may take many years before you notice big change. It may take decades before you notice real big change, but you'll notice even incremental changes early on. It's an amazing new medicine. You should try this. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if there was a medicine we could take that just healed our souls in this way, that made us love more like Jesus, that rooted out our our illness of selfishness and pride and vanity and lust? Wouldn't that be amazing? Well, guess what, my friends? There is. There is a great spiritual medicine that Jesus gives us, and it comes to us through his church. The wisdom of the church, the teachings of Jesus Christ passed on through his church are like light shining in our dark souls, pointing us to the truth, and it brings healing. But especially the sacraments, the sacraments that we receive over and over again, especially those, certainly baptism at the beginning, but but the Eucharist, uh, receiving the Eucharist regularly, 
being in the presence of our Lord, praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, being in the presence of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist uh, is, is healing for us. In fact, the early church fathers described the Eucharist as the medicine of immortality. Do you want that spiritual medicine? Do you want to be healed? It doesn't change you overnight, but we have to take it regular doses over and over again. And eventually our hearts become changed. We begin to love like Christ. The sacrament of reconciliation, another great sacrament. You know, I think about this image that the early church fathers used. I've, I've mentioned this before on the show. It's the image of the iron rod put into fire. If you take an, a rod of iron and you put it into fire, what happens? That, that rod of iron, tell me about what happens. It becomes hot, right? It, it starts to maybe glow. It, it takes on the color of orange or maybe red even if it's really hot. Uh, it begins to emit smoke. So notice what's happening to that rod of iron. It's taking on the characteristics of fire. It's still a rod of iron. It doesn't become fire, but it's being transformed by the fire. It's taking on the qualities of fire. This is what the early church fathers used, this image to describe what God wants to do in your soul and my soul, ordinary Christians' experiences. In other words, our soul, our human nature is like that iron rod, a cold rod of, of iron. And we're wounded with many weaknesses and wounded by original sin. And yet when we go into the furnace of God's fire, the fire of his love, the furnace of the Holy Spirit through his church, we end up being changed. We become like God. We begin taking on the qualities of God's love, of Christ's love. We begin to love like Jesus, to to be patient like he was patient, to forgive like he forgave, to be courageous like he was courageous, to trust the Father like he trusted and surrendered everything to the Father. If we long to be healed, if we long to have that transformation, we need the church. That's what St. Paul tells us. St. Paul describes this transformation in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says to the Christians in Corinth, these are Christians who have been baptized. These are Christians who are a part of Christ's church. These are Christians who receive the Eucharist each week. These men and women in Corinth are being changed, he says. They're being changed into Christ's likeness from one degree of glory to another. Do you want to take on the characteristics, the likeness of Christ more and more in your life? If you do, you need the church because the Catholic church is the place of transformation. It's the place where the iron rod is put into the fire of God's love the most. Now, I want to be clear what we mean by the church. The church, don't think of it as like a club. You know, it's like a spiritual club. These are like-minded people. They share similar spiritual values and they're there to support each other. That's their, their, their spiritual club the Catholic Church. <laughs> That's not the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church isn't just like a, a group of people committed to a way of life together. Um, it's so much more than that. I think of what Luigi Giussani once said, that the church is not a way of life. It is a life. I love that line. The Catholic Church is not a way of life. It is a life. It is a life that has been passed on for 2,000 years. It is the life of Christ. That's the church. The life of Christ dwelling in you by virtue of your baptism, that same life of Jesus is dwelling in me. And that same life of Jesus was put into the heart of a young woman in France named St. Therese of Lisieux. And she was a young woman, had many struggles, and she was changed. She was transformed. And that same life that was in St. Therese 
is in you and me. It can change us too. That same life was in a man named St. Augustine that struggled with many sins, and he was changed, and, and, and he, was, he was transformed. That same life that was in Augustine can change us as well. So if you long for freedom, you long to be freed of your sins, you long to be healed at the deepest level, you long for the, the healing of the roots of your sins, you will find this in the church. Let me close by using this example of St. Augustine, one of my favorite saints. Augustine, as you know, lived a pretty wild life. He was very successful, made a lot of money. He was very famous, had a big position of power. He had a big social life, a lot of entertainment. Uh, he lived an unchaste life. He had a lot of sexual pleasure. And he, from the viewpoint of the ancient Roman world, he was living the dream. Wow, lots of money, success, girls. I mean, he's just, he's got it. You know, he's living the dream. But deep down inside, Augustine was restless. He wasn't happy. And he knew that ultimately he needed God. And he came to believe in God. He came to believe in Jesus. He came to believe in the scriptures. He came to even believe in the Catholic church, but he didn't want to enter the church just yet. He was afraid of entering the church. He was kind of like maybe we would use as an expression today. We might say he was spiritual, but not religious. He was the kind of guy that was spiritual. He had spiritual values, but he wasn't religious. He didn't, you know, he, he didn't want a church just yet, <laughs> but he struggled a lot, you know, and he, he knew on the inside that his unchaste ways of living, his sexual sins were not good. And a part of him wanted to change. He really wanted to, to give those sins up and follow Christ fully. There was a part of him that really wanted to change, but there was another part of him that didn't want to let go of his sexual sins and the pleasure he got from it. So he famously said one time, Lord, give me chastity but not yet. <laughs> and so uh, that's what you see as a pre-conversion. Augustine is a man that has a lot of good ideas, a lot of good values, but he can't change. And it was only when he eventually had his conversion and he surrenders his life to, to Christ, enters the church, becomes a Catholic. Now he receives grace he has the, the support of the church. He has the truth of the church guiding him, not just him guiding himself on his own. There's a standard outside of him calling him on to greater virtue and holiness. There's the support of the, the, his brothers and sisters that are Catholic praying for him in the church and the, the brothers and sisters who went before us, the saints and Mother Mary praying for him. And if, most of all, he has the, the sacraments. He has the Eucharist and, and, and he has the, the graces of the sacrament there to transform him. Now, I want to be clear, Augustine, it wasn't as if he became perfect overnight. No, there was a significant change. He was able to live chastity at a whole new level. He broke free from his serious sexual sins. But as he writes in his autobiography, The Confessions, he still had struggles. He still had weaknesses. He struggled with pride. He struggled with vanity. He struggled with attachment to having fine possessions. And he struggled still with, with lust. He, didn't, he wasn't going sleeping around again, but he struggled with lustful thoughts, lustful desires, uh, lustful glances. He writes about this. So there's still more work that needs to be done. In fact, he says, Lord, it's, it's not that I don't have wounds, but it's that you heal them over and over again. I love that. Do you long to be healed? Do you want Jesus to get to the roots of your sins? 
Well, Augustine experienced a dramatic change, significant change. He broke free from his sin, his sexual sin, through the power of the church. But he wouldn't break free completely. He still had many wounds, many weaknesses in this area and many others. And he needed to be healed over and over again. Where did that healing take place? In the church. Now, next week, what we're going to do in next week's show is talk about a lot of questions people have about the church. Wow, I mean, do I really need a church? Can't I just be spiritual? Why do I need to follow all these doctrines and rituals? And can't I just have a relationship with Jesus on my own? And um, and wow, the church has a lot of problems. And, you know, there, there's been scandals and bad leadership. And, you know, do I really need to follow this church? I, mean, I think these are fair questions to ask. We're going to address those next week. But the, what I want you to take away today is to see the church isn't just an organization, a club of like-minded people. It is not just a way of life. It is a life, the life of Christ in us, the fire of the Holy Spirit transforming us. It is the place of healing, the place of transformation. We can grow in in different ways on our own. We can read a self-help book and try to come up with our own self-improvement plan, and we may make some progress. But if we want to be healed at the deepest levels, we want to be healed the way Augustine and St. Therese were healed, we need the church. Thanks for listening, my friends. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or on my website, edwards3.com. That's edwardsri.com. God bless.